the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This portion of the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks, with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. Our co-host this week, Chris O'Brien. Chris, you have any audiobooks out yet? You know, I don't, Gene. People have asked me about, about that, and... Um as soon as I get a block of time, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and start doing audiobooks and being the, uh, the actual reader of them when we record them. You know, many, many years ago, I actually did audiobooks before there was such a thing as an audiobook. I did a voice narration for a series of educational textbooks. This is back so many years ago, you know, many of our listeners weren't born by then. And I don't know whatever happened to the company. I think they sort of went out of business. They were there before their time. Yeah. And it's kind of like garage radio. You know, until we got on the GCN network, I guess I could call my radio shows garage radio, the Tech Night Out Live and, of course, the Paracast. We were doing it online, not from my garage, but one of our listeners who was really critical of us said, you know, you sound like you're doing this in the bathroom. Now, I have to tell you, I am not in a bathroom. I know Chris is not in the bathroom, or am I wrong? No, no, <laughs> I'm not in the bathroom. I know we've had a few guests who should have been in the bathroom and not come out mm, to do the yeah, show. Yeah, but we won't go there, Gene. Oh, no, not, not with a 10-foot pole. Anyway, on our relaunch of the Paracast last week, I got to talking about government intervention in UFO and paranormal studies. And of course, we think of, you know, maybe some of the people in the UFO field are government agents, but more direct, some of the things that you've explored, such as in the San Luis Valley, do you think that maybe they represent some kind of government intervention? I'm talking about things like cattle mutilation, stuff like that. Well, it's, it's a very complicated scenario, I think, in general, and specifically in the San Luis Valley. It's, <laughs> it's a whole uh, melting pot and potpourri of, of different divergent things going on. I... I have always had a sense, though, in all the years that I've investigated the area, that, that the government is very active there. I've had several reports, for instance, of what appears to be conventional military jets uh, in dogfights or chasing after uh, what appear to be anomalous, non-ballistic objects, including one really strange point p report, rather, where an ambulance driver and uh, assistant stopped their ambulance and pulled over and saw a, uh, an F-16, uh, I believe, um, whatever the Air National Guard plane is, the F-15, swoop down, and actually it, it appeared to fire on this object. And they, in the report, they said that they heard uh, ricochets uh, from their vantage point. Now, I'm not sure what to make of a report like that. Uh, the witnesses are, um, I think, uh, very believable, but um, it just gives you an indication that, that there is some sort of interaction going on between the phenomenon and the government, uh, the military in the San Luis Valley. And this is just tip of the iceberg. Um, you know, we've had tons of convoys reported during siding waves, uh, military aircraft, and uh, most specifically, uh, helicopters have been seen in and around mutilation sites, and, and the list goes on. So I think we can't uh, factor by any stretch the military out of this or the government out of this equation. Right, but does that also convey the possibility that maybe the government is involved in a more direct fashion, such as staging these events, or some of them at least? 
I, I think so. I think that it does actually uh, stoop to that level. I related on the, the previous episode of seeing uh, three C-131 uh, transport planes uh, wingtip to wingtip with uh, a series of lights that made it look like it was a single object. So I think there is a lot of uh, sleight of hand, psyops type um, experimentation, um, psychotronic weapons platforms that are either, I think, conventional um, arrays or non-conventional arrays that they're testing to see how people respond to them, see how effective they are as a psychological weapon. And I wonder maybe some of the early UFO abductions may have actually been caused by some sort of government intervention, psyops, whatever, because unfortunately some elements of our government have been known to experiment with normal people and do strange things. Psychological damage can certainly be one of them, maybe feeding them drugs, feeding them post-hypnotic suggestions. You get the picture. Absolutely, and we do know from from what has been revealed over the years about uh, particular MK Ultra programs like Project Artichoke and others, that the government has been very interested in in getting involved uh, with unsuspecting victims, if you will, and uh, and utilizing them for whatever nefarious uh, purposes that they have. Yes, you know, and we have to wonder what's going on here. But does that also indicate that? a fair portion of what's been going on in the UFO field, you know what, this is still could have been a representation of the government playing tricks. I mean, if you remember that book that Greg Bishop wrote with regard to what happened to Paul Benowitz, where he was the victim of some kind of government shenanigans and pretty well drove him crazy. Yeah, and that's I think that is a, the most glaring and probably best documented case that we have of actual direct government involvement in disinformation, misinformation to the point where like you just said, they they literally drove the man crazy. And obviously some people don't need much of a push to be driven crazy. Uh, I think Benowitz was a little tweaky to begin with. But um, knowing someone that grew up, uh, went to school with his son, and uh, knew the family fairly well, I doubt seriously, based on my own investigation of the Benowitz case, that, that Benowitz would have been uh, ended up in a mental hospital and dying too soon um, if, if you know the Air Force intelligence officers and other operatives had not gotten in, got involved in his case and and messed with his mind, played with his head. I mean, they, they'd literally go in and move his furniture around and stuff. And, and really, <laughs> I mean, if somebody did that to me enough times, I guess I'd get kind of paranoid myself. But but I think he was a little bit um, kind of fragile uh, mentally, and uh, there was some, some tick there that they were able to, uh, I hate to use the word, but exploit. Um, and, okay, so uh, in a situation like that, they knew they had somebody who might be borderline. And because exactly. he was borderline, they were able to push him over the edge a little bit more. Well, I think that, I don't think that it was their. My gut instinct on this was that was not their intent to drive the man crazy. I think that they just did uh, too good of a job playing with his head, and uh, and unfortunately he was uh, <laughs> he was driven to be uh, committed. Well, of course, the person who we might blame on this is Bill Moore, who was a UFO researcher, but also someone who admitted being involved in government disinformation. And you kind of wonder, hey, you know what? I'd like to see what he's doing now. Maybe we should try to get him on the show and see. Speaking of people who we're going to have on the show, you brought your publisher with you. 
I did. It's it's a real special treat. Uh, David is very, very busy. Uh, David Hatcher Childers is one of our, I, I feel, our real treasures uh, in the realm of diffusionist archaeology. Would you please David, define that? I mean, I'm looking at that word and my brain is spinning. <laughs> okay. Of course, some Eventually, people think that my brain spins constantly whether I'm probing into the subject or not. Well, you have a good gyroscope, so that's okay. I, on my new iPhone, but I don't have a new iPhone, folks, so don't, you know, anyway. <laughs> David is, is one of a handful of people that you could really literally call a real-life Indiana Jones. He spent almost 40 years traveling the world, investigating uh, megalithic sites uh, that can't be explained. And basically, if you want to define diffusionist archaeology, I think it's the whole idea that um, ancient civilizations were not, that did not spring up isolated from one another. Conventional archaeology pretty much says that these great civilizations around the world we're not connected in any any way, shape, or form. Uh, in other words, you know, the Incas did not know about uh, the Africans, who didn't know about the Harappan culture, who didn't know about the, uh, you know, the ancient Chinese. We'll explore that in more detail with David Hatcher Childress coming up next on the Paracast. Here's a quick reminder, neighbors. Why don't you follow us on Twitter? You can follow the Paracast on Twitter this way. Go to twitter.com/slash/theparacast. That's twitter.com slash theparacast. Follow us. Maybe we'll follow you. As you know, the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks. With more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers, for listeners of the Paracast, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One book to consider, for example, is Above Top Secret, the worldwide UFO cover-up by Timothy Good. Timothy Good, as you know, has been a guest on the Paracast. Yet another book worth considering from Audible.com is Lies and Deception, UFOs and the Secret Agenda. From Timothy Good once again, and also from our old friend Nick Pope. As you know, Nick Pope has also been on the Paracast. This is another book that you're definitely going to want to check out. For this book or another free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold for your IRA? That's right. Gold has been available to be placed in IRAs since 1986. Yet still, the financial industry refuses to recognize the value of real hard assets for your retirement. The truth be told, gold and silver has outperformed paper investments like stocks, bonds, and CDs, yet no word about IRAs. Perhaps the financial institutions want to maintain control of your assets by keeping you in paper. If you'd like to take a look at gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low return on your paper investments. Call 800-686-2237. Make sure that you secure your future. Call 800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237.
If you suffer from poor sleep, you've got to try my pillow. Introducing the most revolutionary, most comfortable, and coolest pillow ever, my pillow. Imagine your very own custom fit pillow. My pillow is the only pillow of its kind on the market that uses a patented fill, custom made to your exact individual needs. My pillow is 100% made in the USA and has a natural built-in cooling effect that keeps your cervical nerves cool, and that helps you get the best REM sleep possible. My pillow helps alleviate snoring, migraine, sleep apnea, and other sleeping disorders. My pillow. It's antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, machine washable and dryable, comes in many sizes and will not go flat. And best of all, MyPillow comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. So what do you have to lose? Except poor sleep. Go to MyPillowShop.com, mention coupon code GCN, and receive up to $40 off. That's MyPillowShop.com. Or call 952-442-6199. That's 952-442-6199. MyPillow, for the rest of your life. What started as an idea to provide power for a small hunting cabin has grown into a passion for creating an alternative energy source that's both affordable and reliable. At Wind Blue Power, our goal is to provide you with the best selection of parts and accessories to power your own ideas. Whether you're building a wind generator from scratch or you prefer a complete bolt-together kit, we've got you covered with fast worldwide shipping and impeccable customer service. Visit us at windbluepower.com. Think green. Go blue at Wind Blue Power. Hi, this is Tim. Anderson, have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Ten years, a decade of talk. Great Talk Radio is here on the Genesis Communications Network. Distinct pleasure to have our special guest today, David Hatcher Childress, uh, on the program. And uh, before we get into uh, technology of the gods and some of the really very riveting subject matter that we're going to be covering today, I've always wondered, David, how did you ever get involved? Where did your interest uh, spring from uh, to get you so involved uh, as a major mover and shaker in, in diffusionist archaeology? How did you? What was your inspiration to get involved? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, I was born in France, actually, although my parents are Americans, and uh, lived the first three years of my life in France. Uh, my parents liked to travel. I, I really grew up in, in Colorado, actually. My parents really enjoyed going to unusual places. Uh, I remember as a kid, just going down to Mexico City and climbing the pyramids there. We went to England and to Stonehenge. We went to Greece and Turkey. And a lot of that, plus just kind of being a pretty outdoorsy guy, I was I was quite the skier and camper, and later I got into technical mountain climbing and stuff like that. And I just really got interested in ancient history, uh, traveled quite a bit with my family. And even, you know, just as a kid growing up in the 60s, watching uh, Johnny Quest cartoons and later, you know, Kung Fu and, and shows like that, 
just got me uh, really excited about traveling around the world, uh, going to the Himalayas, and paddling up, you know, remote uh, tributaries of the Amazon River or something, looking for Atlantis. I've always had an interest in paranormal things, uh, everything from UFOs and, and ESP to, uh, to, to Bigfoot and other cryptozoology things. And in, later in life, as I got more and more into that, I, I really started getting into ancient cultures, Nikola Tesla, suppress science, and even all the stuff about ancient Vimanas and airships and, and, and even the, the ancient aliens kind of thing with, uh, Eric von Donikin's Chariots of the Gods. That's a book that I, I read in high school and I really devoured a lot of that kind of material. And then I was fortunate to actually begin traveling around the world in the mid 70s. I actually was going to the University of Montana, but I dropped out and I became an English teacher in Taiwan. But I'd always wanted to go to the Himalayas, to Mount Everest, also to Tibet. And I was able to do that. And once I got going, I, well, I never stopped or looked back. You know, I have a very backhanded question here, something that may surprise you because it has nothing to do necessarily with any of that. But are you familiar with an ancient astronaut researcher by the name of Yona Fortner? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay, well, Yona wrote under the name of Y.N. Ibn Aharon for Saucer News, Jim Mosley's magazine, back in the late 50s and early 60s, talking about extraterrestrialism as an historical doctrine. And so what was he talking about? Obviously, he was talking about ancient astronauts, the gods of the Bible being E.T. And that's, of course, way ahead of Eric von Däniken. Of course, other people who explored that were people like Desmond Leslie and Bernsley Laporte Trench. Did you ever read their writings? Yes, I did. And, uh, you know, another guy along those lines, too, was early uh, writer on, along the subject was um, George Hunt Williamson. Yes, wrote, of course, George Hunt Williamson was kind of controversial, wasn't he? Well, and he was, and but he was one of the early guys who went down to South America and looked for some of these lost cities of the Incas, looked at many of the giant megalithic walls and things down there that are often attributed to the Incas. But he early on, you know, and and I agree with him that, yeah, these, these things are, you know, amazing walls that, that were built by, yeah, like extraterrestrials or some kind of Atlanteans with high technology. But he was writing about that in the, you know, mid-50s. A good, a good 15 years or so before, say, Eric Lundonikin. Well, this is an important point to raise. When you look at these indications of advanced technology in ancient times, is it the fact that an advanced civilization developed here and then for whatever reason was lost because of a cataclysm, because of their own warfare or whatever, things that we fear might happen to our civilization, or was there an ET involvement, or perhaps both? Well, right. Uh, and I I guess I tend to go uh, for the, for a both, perhaps both type scenario. I'm a believer um, in ancient civilizations that were advanced, um, call them whatever you want, Atlantis or something, ancient Rama Empire, and that there were these cataclysms and things like that. But also I think that there, yeah, is this alien intervention kind of thing happening. I believe that the moon is some kind of uh, 
artificial uh, satellite around their planet that's older than Earth. Oh, whoa, whoa. Okay, now we're getting into an interesting topic. Okay, so the moon is a satellite. It's a construction. Right. One of my books, uh, and I'm the author of over 20 books, was a book that came out in the 90s, and it it's still sells well today. Uh, we did a DVD on it, in, in fact, called Extraterrestrial Archaeology. And a lot of that book is really about mysteries of the moon, how strange the moon is, um, some of the weird things that NASA discovered about the moon, and, and, and much of that seems to be still suppressed today. Yeah, and the but, Russians. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, there are obelisks on the moon. There are apparently pyramids and dome cities, other weird towers. There are okay, now this is, gets, gets us into Richard Hoagland territory. Okay, so we're in Richard Hoagland territory. We've opened that door, and actually we opened that door a couple of weeks ago when Walter Bosley was on the show. So let's enter that door. And now looking at obelisks and other evidence of advanced stuff going on on the moon why would you say it's not just evidence of et or us if we were more advanced than we are now visiting the moon rather than it being a construction you know i mean that's a good question and if there are structures on the moon and even if the moon is occupied you know, it's not necessarily by ETs. I've I've had people tell me uh, that Atlanteans are on the moon. Uh, ancient, I mean, ancient humans. The whole idea behind that would be similar to the Atlanteans, the Lemurians at Mount Shasta kind of scenario. You have these ideas that these Vimanas from the ancient Atlantis and the Rama Empire are still being used by these, you know, even some of these guys could be very old or they have these secret communities. They're in Tibet. They're in secret places in South America. They're in Mount Shasta. And all they have this ancient technology. It's, it's thousands of years old, even tens of thousands of years old. They still have this ancient craft. The craft are thousands of years old. They fly them around. They have these secret bases. And... In theory, they're on the moon as well. So if you could actually get to some secret city on the moon or something, they, I mean, these people may be humans. And that goes back into the whole idea of, like, who we are. I mean, okay, maybe well, we're Okay, well, who we are on the next segment. Co-host Christopher O'Brien, our guest, David Hatcher-Childress. You're in the Paracast. Okay, neighbors, here's the problem. Face-to-face business meetings with clients and colleagues are always going to be important. But business travel is a hassle, and it's often a complete waste of money. Well, here's a solution for you. Do more. Travel less with GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting is an award-winning online meeting service brought to you by Citrix with just a click. Host sales presentations, training sessions, or product demos right from your own desk. Avoid the hassle of traveling and still exceed your sales goals. Plus, GoToMeeting is just $49 a month for unlimited online meetings. Plus, voice over IP and phone conferencing is included. My listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 45 days for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com slash podcast. 
Once again, go to meeting free for 45 days. Visit gotomeeting.com slash podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hi, this is Alex Jones. Did you know that the global elite are now storing non-hybrid seeds in secret storage vaults near the Arctic Circle? Did you know that in a real meltdown, non-hybrid seeds can become more valuable than silver or gold? It's true, seeds have outperformed even gold and silver before in this country, and it's possible that it could even happen again. So our friends at Solutions from Science have put together the perfect mix of non-hybrid seeds. They call it a survival seed bank. And it can produce an endless supply of nutrient-dense food for you and your family. And here's the best part. These seeds have not been genetically modified in any way. And you actually get enough seeds to plant a full acre crisis garden. So visit them today at survivalseedbank.com. That's survivalseedbank.com. Or give them a call at 877-327-0365. That's 877-327-0365. Remember, in a real crisis... Non-hybrid seeds are the ultimate barter item. This is Alex Jones for SurvivalSeedBank.com. Question, what would you rather drink? Acidic water, which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass? Or alkaline water, which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. Tired of searching for great talk radio? There's a, a wide range of stuff on here. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast, but you never know what's going to happen next. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Co-host Christopher O'Brien. Our guest, David Hatcher Childress, an author and a publisher and we're exploring not just ancient astronauts, but evidence that may exist today about advanced civilizations having been on the moon, and maybe the moon might be artificial. Okay, we've explored the moon, we've seen all this stuff. Where is the evidence it might be an artificial construct? Well, 
According to NASA, a couple of unusual things happened during the Apollo missions. One is that the, the moon vibrated and, and rang like a bell uh, when the ascent stage of a lunar module crashed onto the moon and, and they had left some seismic material. So the moon was, was vibrating. There's a, a theory um, among some speculators that, that the moon is, is hollow and that it's been artificially put into an orbit around our planet. Uh, there's a couple of unusual things there. Um, our, our moon is unusually large for our planet, supposedly, and it's in a very peculiar orbit. We all know about how the, the dark side of the moon is, is never uh, can be seen from the Earth and that the moon has kind of this odd rotation that keeps the backside always away from the Earth. That, that is, that's unusual, too. Uh, no other moons in the solar system do that. But even stranger is the position of the moon uh, around our planet and how far away or, or how close it is to us. It's a little bit unusual that when, the, when our moon transits the disk of the sun and for a lunar eclipse, and you, you, know, you have to be in a certain place on the, on the planet to actually see the full lunar eclipse, but if you are, what you see is a, basically a perfect eclipse of uh, the sun by our moon. And as the disk of the moon transits the disk of the sun, the disk of the moon perfectly eclipses the sun. And it, it not more or not less covers the disk of the sun just, you know, for like three or four minutes. But that is very strange. Yeah, what are the odds? Well, right. You see, if the moon was a little bit closer to the Earth, it would more than cover the disk of the sun. If it was just a little bit farther away from the Earth, it would less than eclipse the sun. But our moon is in such a position that it not more, or not less, but perfectly eclipses the sun and covers the disk, and you can just see the corona of the, of the sun from the, uh, during the eclipse that the moon would be arbitrarily in an orbit like that is the odds are like a zillion to one. So that tends to indicate uh, to, to me and to other researchers that, yeah, the, the moon has been put in a very purposeful, special orbit around the Earth. In my mind, the, the Earth is like the eye in the sky, Oh, that Alan Parsons song, and the eye in the sky, I'm looking at you. If you're an alien race, and you're looking for uh, uh, the perfect base to watch our planet, it would be the moon. I mean, it's right there. And with the kind of technology of uh, spaceships and, and things that, that can move around our solar system and the universe, I mean, to come from the from the moon to the Earth, very easy. So here's... The idea of an artist, that the moon is even artificial. And uh, according to NASA early on, they maintained that their studies of the moon, that it was older than the Earth. So early theories of the moon, that it had come from the Pacific Ocean, that was a popular theory in the early 50s. You mean it broke off from the Earth? That it broke off, right. Ah. And that the, the moon, our moon, and the Earth are like twin satellites, and the moon's part of the Earth. NASA basically said, that's wrong. And the moon's not part of our Earth. It's not even from our solar system at one point. They said the moon, too, is full of rare metals, titanium and, and um, 
molybdenum and things like that. And in fact, the kind of aerospace metals that are rare and valuable, the moon is very full of that. If for some reason uh, you had a mining concession on the moon right now, uh, you'd be, you know, you'd be rich. You'd be mining all these rare metals. And there's indication that there is mining activity on our moon. Now it's interesting too that the idea of this missing planet, and I talk about this uh, in in extraterrestrial archaeology as well, how back in the, the early 1800s, actually, this German astronomer and mathematician uh, name was Bode, and he came up with this mathematical law called Bode's Law, and it's a it's like a logarithmic mathematical theorem that shows that as you go out from the sun. There would be a planet uh, at certain distances as you go out from the sun. And that was called Bode's Law. And when he applied it to our solar system, it pretty much fit our solar system. And where he said there should be a planet, there was a planet, except in one case. And that was that in Bode's Law, there should be a planet between Mars and Jupiter. But what's there instead is the asteroid belt. And you have all these rocks in space. So there's, there's another theory, too, where you have this missing planet. And there's speculation that this, this planet's been given different names, was, was somehow blew up. Uh, either it, it accidentally blew up or the people on that planet blew up their own planet and destroyed it and left basically a bunch of rocks in space, these asteroids. Now, one way to create a hollow moon, as we're we're talking about, and in, I mean it's it's a good way to imagine this thing is like the uh, Star Wars movies and the Death Star being built in the early films. I mean, it's kind of what the moon is here, like artificial construction. Now, how might you make something like that? Uh, I speculate in my book that you if you need some super technology, of course, but if you went out to the asteroid belt or something like that took a, as big an asteroid as you can and then basically with your you know super science and and you know beam weapons or something you melt that asteroid like a glass blower uh takes a blob of molten glass and then you inflate it and just like a glass blower blows a big glass ball you could inflate some giant asteroid and like a glass blower's going, blowing a glass ball, you could create what essentially would be a round, uh, melted sort of moon, similar to what we have, and the inside would be hollow. It would be like this giant spaceship. It could then, in theory, be hauled off to a planet, Mars or Earth or something, put into orbit around it, and in fact, some kind of a space base could be built inside of this artificial moon that you've created. Okay, this raises so many fascinating possibilities, I can't even begin to start. How do we go about proving this? Do we have to get man to go back to the moon and do a little digging, as it were? Well, I would say so, and um, I mean, that would be ideal. I'm always thrilled when I hear about any efforts to go back to the moon, whether it's from India or the Europeans or China or Japan, the United States, uh, pay a lot of attention to that. And I, it makes you wonder, too, I, I certainly do, why America hasn't returned to the moon. 
What's up with our own space program this way? I'm honestly a little bit suspicious of our space program, uh, what NASA says they're doing. And, and it, it, it seems strange to me that we're not making this effort to go back to the moon. And in theory, I'd almost wonder in a way whether we've been warned not to go back there or even a flip side of that would be that we are already going back to the moon, but we keep it a secret. This was one of the things, of course, that we were talking about in some other episodes, the possibility of whether or not we have a secret space program and that we're already on the moon and maybe planning to get to Mars, but it's all being covered up with black projects. We'll get more with David Hatcher Childress in a moment. A reminder, folks, if you go to thepowercast.com, you not only get a chance to check out our website, but you can download over 200 past episodes of the show. Our co-host this week is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Powercast. Hey, neighbors, have you been thinking about starting a website? Well, I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a world-famous leader in web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and great selection of templates. Use the coupon code POWERCAST. Once again, use the coupon code POWERCAST and sign up at this special address, thepowercast.com slash gator. That's G-A-T-O-R, thepowercast.com slash gator. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Nine years, thousands of clients worldwide, amazing results. And here's more proof of the effectiveness of how heart and body extract supports good circulation and healthy arterial flow. My name is Crystal. I'm a 45-year-old and live in Houston, Texas. I was diagnosed with having mitral valve prolapse 10 years ago. My cardiologist said surgery and drugs was the only thing he could offer me. What did Crystal do? I ordered heart and body extract in August 2006. When I first took my first 15 drops, I embraced the formula and could even feel the goodness of the formula starting to work. Clean, clear arteries are happy arteries after using heart and body extract. Learn more at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. HB Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com, one of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish 
Trusted M10 gas masks are three for $30. And Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMillageri.com has them. Plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMillageri.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179. 877-608-0179. MainMillageri.com. The main name in military supply. When you hear the words water purification, what comes to mind? If it's Berkey Water Purification Systems, this message is for you. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water contains fluoride? At less than two cents per gallon, Berkey water filters purify treated and untreated water, remove dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and contaminants from municipal water. These filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, making them perfect for rainwater collection systems. From the smallest to the largest systems, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has what you need. With your system purchase, you'll receive a shower filter, a fluoride filter, or two sport Berkey bottles absolutely free. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com would like to offer GCN listeners 5% off all ceramic filter systems and ship all orders over $50 free of charge. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY today. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our forums where you can talk to fellow listeners. Just go to theparacast.com and click on the forum links. That's the forum links at theparacast.com. The co-host, Chris O'Brien. The guest, David Hatcher Childress. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. We're looking into something about modern and ancient technology, whether the moon might be artificial, how do we prove it. So let's talk about, for a moment, a secret space program. This has been speculated. We know, of course, that spy satellites are being launched. This is a lot more complicated. So, David, how can we possibly prove whether or not there's a secret space program? And is it possible that the secret space program is supplanting the real space program or the one that the public is acquainted with? Well, as far as I know, there is a genuine... Um alternate space program and that is one run by the military and the military does have a parallel space program to NASA uh, they have their own launching site they have their own rockets supposedly to launch things um, you, those launches are not ever covered uh, by the news you don't see them, the military doesn't announce them, they, they put stuff up in space, they put up satellites and we're never told and it's, it's a military secret so something like that, it has been acknowledged by the government. And the big always question is, with all these things, is, well, how expensive is it and what are they really doing? The interesting thing along these lines, Gene and Chris, is that um, I spend quite a bit of time in um, in London every year. And uh, even this last uh, few months, I was, I was living there. And I'm reading the papers, and there's a guy, and he's, he's quite famous in the UK. He's a young man, 
and he has Asperger's syndrome, and he is this famous character who hacked into the Pentagon computers three or four years ago. And this is Gary McKinnon. Gary McKinnon, exactly. Right. Okay. Now, this was strange. Before you go into all the ramifications of what he did, which is very important. What I wondered about is why would they want to not just extradite him here, but basically stick him in jail for years and years and years as if he murdered somebody. So let's go to the background. Right. I mean, the Gary McKinnon case is really interesting, and it, it gets a small amount of attention here in the U.S., but in the U.K., it's, he's major news. And just reading of, you know, Times of London every day, which I do when I'm there, this guy pops up. In, in their papers and stuff. And what he did was he he's kind of like um, a semi-autistic genius, and he lives with his mother. Uh, he's a super computer hacker. He has Asperger's syndrome, and a, an employee of mine had that too. And then, and, and people like that are often socio-inept, uh, they're, they, but they can be very brilliant about in certain things. He has now, I should point out to our listeners, by the way, on a TV show called Boston Legal, there was a character, and right. he reportedly had Asperger's Syndrome. It was played by an actor, a character actor named Christian Clemenson, and it was really wacky. I mean, this person was so socially inept, he did all sorts of crazy, wild things. I assume that's exaggerated from what it's really like. Well, and I, I mean, I've been around people with Asperger's Syndrome, and one of the things that, one of the characteristics of them is that they're kind of like a kid. They they tell everything like it is. They and as part of their social problems, they can't be quiet or or sort of tell a lie or something. And they they also don't read facial expressions and and other social clues. Uh, they can't get that. So if if you're a normal person could just see by the reactions around them that what they're talking about was making people mad or angry and they should shut up. But someone with Asperger's syndrome won't get that. I mean, they can't understand any sort of facial clues and social clues. They, they're actually missing a gene or so uh, in their in their DNA. What he did was, though, and uh, that he hacked into the Pentagon computers, and he was a UFO researcher, really. And he said later that the reason that he hacked into the Pentagon com computers was he wanted to find UFO information and what the Pentagon might be keeping secret about UFOs. And what he said that he discovered was a list of over 100 naval officers who were listed as being off-planet. And this list of officers that he was able to get indicated to him that somehow the Navy had some special project that was either a space station, like a secret space station, in orbit around our planet, where all these naval officers were living off the planet, or somehow that these hundred naval officers or something were not on a space station around our planet, but were actually, you know, on some other planet, like on the moon or on Mars. Or now, do we assume here this person is at least trying to tell the truth that he's not a whack job in all respects? You did say, of course, that someone with Asperger's syndrome tends to be more honest, only maybe even painfully honest about things. Well, that's kind of it with them. They're, yeah, they're painfully honest and like a little kid. And when some little kid just suddenly looks at you and says, boy, you're fat or something. You know, where a socially adept adult would know not to say that. But somebody with Asperger's do, they're brutally honest. 
the British government has used his syndrome as an excuse for not extraditing him. And, and this has caused something of a minor rift between the United States and Britain. And it's been going on for years where the Pentagon is demanding that this guy, Gary McKinnon, be, you know, yanked out of his mom's house, taken away from his computer, sent to Washington, D.C., where he can stand, you know, trial for hacking into the Pentagon's computers. And, and then they'll, of course, send him off to prison, you know, some maximum security prison in Colorado or something. He's a tourist. Yeah, but the British government's main excuse, and, and this comes up in the, in the British papers, this guy's famous. They say, no, we're not going to extradite Gary McKinnon to the United States because if he went to prison and because of his Asperger's syndrome and, and whatnot, you know, it'll kill him. And uh, they use that excuse. And the British government has, so far, uh, right up to, you know, today, they have refused to extradite Gary McKinnon to the United States. The one thing he's had to say that he discovered after hacking into the Pentagon's computer was that they've got some contingent of officers, and they're not on this planet. So you have to ask yourself, I mean, if, if you want to entertain this, even briefly, you know, as, as reality, and something that's genuinely in the Pentagon's computers, where are these guys? So they're either in some space station, or they are on the moon, or they're on Mars. And if that's the case, then it would mean that, yes, the U U.S. government uh, has a secret, you know, military base on the moon. That means that they have some shuttle service that goes from the Earth to the moon, takes these officers there, leaves them there for a while, and then comes back. The thing I have to ask also, David, is that if you launch a spaceship that's capable of sending people to the moon or Mars, we'd have evidence of those launches. Independent people would see the takeoffs. It wouldn't be just something that would indicate a spy satellite, it would have to be a pretty large craft. Where would you it know, launch I, from? Gene, well, right. I mean, that's a good point, but I think I've got your answer. You're right, it would have to be a large craft. And people, depending on where you launched it from, they would see it. One of the things with the United States, and Britain for that matter, they have bases all over the world, including remote islands in the Pacific, in the Atlantic, and the Indian Ocean. Uh, one island that could well be a base for launching things to the moon is the island called Diego Garcia, which is in the Indian Ocean. That island is a, it's basically a British military island, but it's also occupied by the Americans. That island is so remote. I mean, it's out there in the middle of the ocean between India and Madagascar, basically. They, years ago, what few islanders actually lived in the, in Diego Garcia were, they were moved to Mauritius. So they, the British essentially depopulated the natives of that island, built a military base there. That military base does have a bomber squadron, we know, and, uh, when some of the early flights that bombed, uh, Iraq flew out of Diego Garcia. But my point is, if they were launching, say, rockets uh, or some other craft from Diego Garcia and they were going to the moon, you know, nobody would see it except military personnel who were, you know, had a top secret. There just wouldn't be any other witnesses. And that's just one place. So even Guantanamo Bay or other areas like that, uh, there's Donston Island out in the Pacific, other islands like that, yeah, they 
in a sense, I mean, they could do almost anything there, and no one would be a witness who would say, uh, you know, just a tourist or some civilian who could then, you know, spill the beans, the as it were. Place. We'll spill more beans in a moment. Our guest is David Hatcher Childress. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the PowerCast. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. We have David Hatcher Childress. Now, Chris, you've known David for a number of years. What are your feelings and reactions, and maybe we can continue the questioning with that, about his theory about the artificial moon, the secret space program? Well, the first thing that springs to mind is, uh, you know, the whole concept of strapping a giant firecracker to your, to your backside, lighting it on fire, and shooting yourself uh, above the Earth's atmosphere. That itself uh, is a, <laughs> an interesting subject. Perhaps uh, our government and military did take Tesla's uh, work, for instance, or the work of other... Uh, uh, lesser-known inventors back in the 30s and 40s, and, and perhaps they have some sort of exalted technology that doesn't doesn't require or doesn't rely on on propulsion of that kind to fire yourself on a giant rocket up into space. Perhaps they they have anti-gravity technology, and if so, uh, it would be pretty easy to launch uh, <laughs> large ships from pretty pretty much anywhere. So, if you're going just on the premise that you know the state of technology of our space program is what is publicly you know acknowledged then that's one thing but if you even if you factor in the potential for you know unconventional uh technology that's that's highly secret then that just opens the can of worms even wider um you know all these uh these interesting factoids about uh, our solar system uh you know the for instance richard hoagland recently has just uh came up with a theory that the moon phobos uh, circling around uh, Mars is uh, artificial. Um, he has some pretty intriguing uh, evidence to suggest that we should look close, more closely at that particular uh, satellite or moon. This is a subject that uh, doesn't get enough attention, I think. I think a lot more work by people like David needs to be done. I think people need to have uh, a better understanding of some of the physics involved uh, in our solar system. And, and these are, I think, cutting-edge subjects that really need to be uh, addressed further. Well, I agree with you with uh, Chris there, too. Um, the kind of technology for going off-planet, uh, 
going to Mars and, and really the moon, and, and certainly the technology of extraterrestrials too, I would think, it's, it's an electric type of technology. And the type of spacecraft they're using, it's, it's not a rocket, it's not some giant firecracker like you were saying, Chris, that you light under your bum and go into space like Wiley E. Coyote in the cartoons. No, I mean, it's, it's, you're gonna travel electrically, and the, 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 the kind of crafters are gonna be electric. They'll generate their own fields. It's very similar to, I think, the, the technology that, that Tesla was talking about. It's a kind of, uh, I believe, too, and in, in my book on Vimana's, The Technology of the Gods, I talk about these plasma craft, and that their mercury is part of it. They're basically these spinning vortex-type craft. A flying saucer type of craft would work well with this type of technology. And you have these uh, basically spinning vortex-type craft. They're gyroscopic in a sense, and they're electrified. And so this is where mercury comes in. You have uh, what's called like a, a mercury proton gyro or something, but you have mercury, which is a liquid, it's a metal, it's also a conductor, and it, it's spinning inside these, this closed gyroscopic system, but then electricity is added to it. And that creates a plasma that's an electrified gas, and this whole thing is, is spinning, um, it, Toroids are part of this, and a toroid is, is like a donut type of vortex movement. Uh, smoke rings are studied in this way, uh, gyroscopes, and all these things have a kind of anti-gravity effect. Uh, in some ways, like these flying saucer kind of craft like that, they're like a flying tornado or something that's controlled. Well, this sounds like, and maybe we'll head back a bit to the journey throughout prehistory, that we've had this technology for a long, long time. So let's abandon the secret moon research and the artificial moon, because certainly we can't prove it right now. It would be nice if we could, even if there are indications of it. But let's go back through prehistory. How far back can we find words and information about advanced flying craft, Ezekiel's wheels, Ramana's, what? Well, right. I would say all that um, in my books uh, on the subject, a popular one is the book Technology of the Gods. And then uh, I also did a book called Vimana Aircraft of Ancient India and Atlantis. And even another book called Atlantis and the Power System of the Gods, which is about mercury vortex generators and the power system of Atlantis, a lot of that had to do with kind of Tesla's ideas and concepts and inventions. But when you read, for instance, the, the Ramayana, which is one of the great Indian epics, uh, like the Mahabharata, I mean, both these books, which are thousands of years old, they read like the wildest science fiction. They're like from Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon's story. People are flying around in their airships. These airships are some kind of uh, apparently electric type craft, uh, or at the, at the very least, they're like airplanes or, or zeppelins or blimps or something. They're flying around. They have horrific weapons. Uh, they get in these wars. They devastate whole cities. Uh, even some of the, the text indicate uh, 
some kind of like atomic bombs and things like that. And the story of the Ramayana is actually, which is one of the most famous stories, and Rama has, he's a king, his wife leaves him, she runs off to Sri Lanka with this other guy who's who's the bad guy in the in the whole epic. Uh, Ravana is his name, and Rama's bummed out for a while. He goes and meditates in the forest. Uh, his wife's left him, and then one day he kind of snaps out of it and he decides, "Hey, I'm going to go get my wife back." And he jumps into his Vimana, his airship. He flies down to Sri Lanka, grabs his old lady, and says, "Look, you're coming home with me." And uh, and she does go home with him. I mean, they have some aerial battles. He defeats the bad guy who stole his wife. And then they return to northern India where, you know, they try and live happily ever after, although she's tainted because she's now like an adulteress and stuff. So, David, it sounds like a Bollywood uh, potential reality <laughs> show. Well, it is, you know, and it's very, <laughs> it's all caught up, you know, in these really this personal relationship with these people. And it's more like the husband-wife problems and stuff. So one of the stories basically that in the Ramayana is this marital squabble between Rama and his wife Sita. He uses his Vamana, goes and gets her and brings her back. In India and Thailand, I mean, everybody knows what a Vamana is. You can ask them. They all know these stories. Uh, even they have depictions as you walk through the Bangkok airport today. There's a huge mural of Rama on his flying chariot. And, I mean, he's, it, the way they depict it is literally a chariot being drawn through the clouds, you know, by flying horses. But, you know, in reality, what the Vamanas would have been were, I mean, they were machines, uh, just like we have today. Okay, so the theory that's raised here, and I'll shortcut this because the story is fascinating, but... If this existed hundreds of thousands of years ago, where did this technology go? Well, right. And what I maintain in, in all my books on these subjects is that history is, and, and science and technology, it's not some, you know, straight line graph from the bottom going up to the top. Here's civilization. Here's science. And go up to the top of the graph. It's not like that. It's an, it's a roller coaster of ups and downs. And the history of mankind has been one of golden ages and enlightenment and science. And then all that crashing, being dark ages. It's a cyclical nature of civilization that goes in these ups and downs. It's well known that uh, the ancient Egyptians and the Greeks and Romans even had a higher technology and civilization than Europeans did during the Dark Ages. We'll go into the Dark Ages in a moment. We're not in the Dark Ages now. We're in the PowerCast. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. Our guest, David Hatcher Childress. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. You are about to enter another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind, a journey into a sinister land of secret rites, passwords, initiations, and handshakes, where the truth remains hidden and history is controlled by an elite group of mysterious men. 
Imagine, if you will, that I'm holding a book in my hands that explains this secret history and that the name of this book is Conspiracies and Secret Societies, The Complete Dossier. Here is described centuries of dark dealing, lies, murder, mayhem, and cover-ups in the pursuit of unimaginable money and power. My name is Brad Steiger, and the stories you are about to read may have actually happened at the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, Conspiracies and Secret Societies, The Complete Dossier. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. And folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years, hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. If you suffer from poor sleep, you've got to try MyPillow. Introducing the most revolutionary, most comfortable, and coolest pillow ever, MyPillow. Imagine your very own custom-fit pillow. MyPillow is the only pillow of its kind on the market that uses a patented fill, custom-made to your exact individual needs. MyPillow is 100% made in the USA and has a natural building cooling effect that keeps your cervical nerves cool. And that helps you get the best REM sleep possible. MyPillow helps alleviate snoring, migraine, sleep apnea, and other sleeping disorders. MyPillow is antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, machine washable and dryable, comes in many sizes and will not go flat. And best of all, MyPillow comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. So what do you have to lose? Except poor sleep. Go to MyPillowShop.com, mention coupon code GCN, and receive up to $40 off. That's MyPillowShop.com or call 952 952- 442-6199. That's 952-442-6199. My pillow for the rest of your life. Tired of searching for great talk radio? And I think it really does make a difference. We are the GCN Radio Network. Yes, yes. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. What? 
Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. Our guest, David Hatcher Childress, author, adventurer, man about town. I'm starting to make you sound like the shadow here. <laughs> Lamont Cranston talking about ancient abilities and everything else. Okay, so civilization doesn't move in a straight line. So do we think that maybe we had an Atlantis then with advanced capabilities, advanced aircraft, and then it all went to pot, the civilization ended, there was a worldwide cataclysm, what? Well, right. Um, I mean, that's more or less what I maintain, that there were in ancient times, uh, before 10,000 B.C., say, and then even coming up to, say, even three, 4,000 B.C., mankind uh, had, or certain areas of mankind, had very high developed technology, they had electricity, they had airships, they had giant power saws, they even had, uh, I would say, abilities to levitate giant, uh, you know, 500 ton blocks of granite and things like that. They were able to, to do things that are virtually impossible to us today, and, and, and some of those things we can still see. The giant stones at, at Baalbek, uh, there are things in Egypt. There are giant walls in, in South America where, I mean, you look at them today and you think, wow, I mean, even a modern construction crew here, you know, in, in the United States or in Egypt or Peru or something, they couldn't recreate those walls. I mean, you would need giant cranes and things like that to, to, to move these. And yet, archaeologists are telling us, Oh, you know, primitive people just drag these giant stones, stack them up here uh, like you would stack, uh, you know, railway cars or things like that. Well, then, and, of course, it leads one to believe that nowadays we want to think we were the only advanced civilization. That, you know, everybody else was primitive, they used stones, there were cavemen, etc., etc. There was no possibility of an ancient advanced civilization. But other than things we read in the ancient text, now, if we look at those texts, they could also be fictional. We have no evidence they're factual, do we? Well, we do. Um, and, of course, the idea that, yeah, these ancient texts, such as uh, Ramayana, Mahabharata, other, other epics too, Bronoparva is one, that even though they're telling these fantastic stories of airships, horrific wars, super weapons, and things like that, and it's all just, you know, uh, imaginative fantasy uh, and mythology by, you know, ancient writers. However, from an archaeological sense, you, you're, you, you, I do. I try and find, all right, let's, this seems to make sense. Uh, let's look for this evidence. And, and it is there. Uh, I mean, it's bits and pieces, uh, unusual little things. For instance, when British... And Indian and Pakistani archaeologists first began excavating these cities uh, that are out in the Sin Desert right now uh, between the India and Pakistan, cities like Mohenjo-Daro, uh, Kodiji, Harappa. What they found was it was similar to what the ancient Indian epics had said. As they got to the street level, of Mahanjodaro, and these cities are out in the in this in this desert. I mean, it's it's, it's and it's, it's virtually uninhabited. These areas. What they found were people were 
lying dead in the streets, just like the ancient uh, Hindu epics had indicated. People were lying dead in the streets, holding hands. Some doom had taken over this city, killed everybody, and then no one buried the dead or anything. And eventually the, the desert sands came in, covered this city, and, uh, and, it, and it was thousands of years later that archaeologists finally uncovered this. These cities, too, are built out of very fine ceramic bricks that were fired. The cities were planned in advance. They had uh, very good uh, sewage and water systems. They had, even those people today in the Indus Valley, they have a type of a script that's never been deciphered. That same script apparently is the Rongo Rongo writing on Easter Island. Uh, there's a Polish scientist who uh, put all that together where he took the Indus Valley script, which is undeciphered, and the Rongo Rongo writing of Easter Island. It's undeciphered too, but he showed how they're really the same strange writing uh, with figures. So now you have like these guys on Easter Island uh, with all the giant heads and things like that. Mainstream archaeologists, have, I mean, they have to admit that, yeah, there's something going on there, but they would say, okay, on Easter Island, uh, the solution there is that uh, some Polynesians came from Tahiti. They came to Easter Island. Easter Island is one of the remotest islands in the world. And uh, then when they got there, they invented by themselves, you know, on this tiny island, their own special writing. And then also they got bored and they started building all these giant statues and stuff like that. But in reality, I would say all these things are connected. And just like today, we have a worldwide culture. And English is spoken around the world. You can get into an airship, fly to, across an ocean to some other remote island, and then onto another continent or something like that. And I believe that in ancient times, they were doing that too. But it wasn't, it wasn't a culture of consumerism as we have today. I mean, it was different. I mean, they, I maintain they had electricity, they had airships, they, uh, they built these giant buildings. And, and something that they did too that's, that's different from us. So much of what we do today has planned obsolescence in it. Uh, things are actually built to fall apart after a certain time. Uh, cars are built that way and, and the buildings that we built, they're not meant to last for more than a hundred years or maybe two hundred years or something like that. But the ancients, they were building buildings to last for thousands of years. And in fact, if you go to Egypt today and uh, other areas of the world, you'll see these buildings. They're still standing. And they're giant, megalithic stone constructions. And I mean, they've, they've been there for already three or 4,000 years, and they're going to last for another three or 4,000 years. And that's how they built things. And I, I, I think they also built their Vermonters that way, too. Sort of like okay, so if you build your Vamanas to last a good long time, where are they to be found? Well, what I was saying early along those lines is that as these advanced civilizations were destroyed, I believe it was probably some kind of worldwide cataclysm that, that really uh, you know, d destroyed this worldwide civilization or there was areas of it, pockets. And at that time, many of the Vamanas and the cities were destroyed. And when you go to Tiwanaku and 
certain places. That's what you see. You see giant blocks of stone that have been tossed around like some child's building blocks or something like that. We'll have to I look mean, into the child's building blocks and all the strange phenomena to be found around the world. We're talking to David Hatcher Childress. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to Mr. UFO at webtv.net that's Mr. UFO at webtv.net find out what they don't want you to know when you hear the words water purification what comes to mind if it's Berkey water purification systems this message is for you did you know that over 60% of municipal water contains fluoride add less than 2 cents per gallon Berkey water filters purify treated and untreated water, remove dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and contaminants from municipal water. These filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, making them perfect for rainwater collection systems. From the smallest to the largest systems, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has what you need. With your system purchase, you'll receive a shower filter, a fluoride filter, or two sport Berkey bottles absolutely free. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com would like to offer GCN listeners 5% off all ceramic filter systems and ship all orders over $50 free of charge. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY today. You owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Hi, folks. It's time to play. Good food makes everything you do fun. On eFoodsDirect.com, you're going to find a summer outdoor special that gets you the most delicious, easy-to-fix, most portable, best food on the planet for your exciting fun in the sun. With each order of a three-month responder pack, you'll get a free grab-and-go accessory kit with the backpacker's water purifier, stove, and carry bag. You'll also get a free camper's bakery pack with pancakes, biscuits, and cornbread muffins. 
All this delicious food can be easily prepared stovetop at home or in a pan over a campfire. Go to eFoodsDirect.com slash summer or call 800-409-5633 for information and ordering. Summer fun with food just doesn't get any better than this, folks. You need it. They've got it. Just get it. eFoodsDirect.com slash summer or 800-409-5633. eFoodsDirect.com slash summer or 800-409-5633. Bringing you the best in alternative talk radio for over 10 years. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. Our co-host uh, is Chris O'Brien. Our guest, David Hatcher Childress. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. Chris? Uh, David, you mentioned uh, the intriguing connections that, uh, that we can see, sort of traces of, uh, that may link uh, some super ancient civilization uh, to having a worldwide presence. Do you think that now, today, in the 21st century, that we have any sort of evidence that would suggest that vestiges of this ancient civilization have survived into the present day? Well, I think so. And, I mean, what I've theorized has happened is that there was a time when there was a worldwide civilization. They had all these machines, vimanas. They had anti-gravity. They were levitating giant stones. They had huge saws. They were cutting these things, assembling massive walls, uh, they were building things to last for thousands of years with, with giant granite blocks and things, and much of it is actually destroyed now. But when this cataclysm took place, certain pockets of the of this technology and civilization, what they did was they kind of they went underground and uh, underground in, in literally and uh, figuratively, where they set up uh, certain bases like Mount Shasta. Perhaps someplace in Tibet. That's there, there was even a book written about that by Lob Saint Rampa called "The Cave of the Ancients," where these Tibetan monk guys go to this secret cave, and all these machines and stuff are still in there. That's a similar story to what's in Mount Shasta in South America. I can tell you there's many uh, stories of that. People see a lot of UFO activity. Some of it, they think, or people say, it's their UFOs are coming from underwater, like Lake Titicaca, uh, or other kind of secret mountain bases that are somewhere in the Andes. So the idea is that here uh, you have like surviving pockets of these whatever they are, ancient Atlanteans or something like that. An analogy that I would use would be Cheyenne Mountain near Colorado Springs. Now, here's a place that uh, is a, you know, it's a big granite mountain. The, the U.S. military has hollowed this mountain out. There's some kind of a city inside that mountain. Uh, it's, it's basically secret, although the, you know, the government admits it's there. You, you can't go there or go inside it and see what's there. But it, they admit, yes, we have this 
Uh, there's electric cars in there. People actually live inside that mountain. Now, if there was some worldwide cataclysm, uh, and it could be a massive nuclear war, it could be some natural cataclysm that that you know destroys the earth, uh, and then but suddenly these guys are still inside this mountain, and they have generators, they have electric cars, they have airships, but the rest of the world has been destroyed and even doesn't even look the way it had been before. There's been some pole shift, continents have been rearranged, giant tsunamis have wiped out billions of people or something. But they're still alive in this mountain fortress of Cheyenne Mountain. Now, I mean, that would be the modern analogy I would try and draw. Now, if something had happened like this in the past, then perhaps isolated areas like Mount Shasta or someplace in Tibet where these people have survived, they still have these airships. And then, like in the Bible, you have uh, stories of these messengers like with uh, Ezekiel and uh, the book of Enoch is like this too, where these people are living a semi-primitive life in the Middle East or something, and then suddenly, yeah, this airship lands, these angels get out, they say, hey, you know, uh, stop all your fussing and fighting, stop killing each other, don't, you know, stone your women, you know, uh, do this, don't do that. And here, we'll show you our power. Come on in our airship. We'll take you up. We'll show you your own country from, you know, thousands of feet up in the air. And that's exactly what Ezekiel and Enoch say in their books. They they say, yeah, I was taken up in the sky. I, I saw the planet. And then they brought me back down. I went home, you know, to the wife and the kids, and I told them what happened to me today. And they all went, wow, you know, that's amazing. So this is the sort of a story that we're looking at. Let's look at the overall suggestion here. We're suggesting then that maybe what we think is E.T. is really something from here, that we have another civilization on Earth, the crypto-terrestrials, as it were, to use a term the late Mac Tonys did in his book, that they are sending these craft aloft and they're telling everybody, you know, we got to protect the planet because it's their planet as much as ours or maybe more so and that they are really here to protect their own self-interest, it's not really E.T. then. Well, that certainly is one scenario, and that's, that's the one I have been presenting here. Ivan T. Sanderson also presented that in his book, Invisible Residence, that came out in, like, 1970. And in that book, Sanderson more or less uh, said what, what you were just saying, and that is that, yeah, we're sharing this planet with you know some other race or and humans whatever they are and he was saying in that book that they're living in these underwater bases and that there's some kind of underwater culture they have but machines and in fact that's an interesting thing with these with in the UFO field where you have some of these Vamanas allegedly they're not just airships they're submarines too and these things go underwater, then they suddenly take off, and they leave the water, and then they fly. And how about that? I mean, in, in theory, these airships and submarines can, you know, they can not only go to in the depths of the sea into some underwater base or something, but then they can fly to the moon afterwards. So you have, I mean, what it seems like incredible technology, 
And our government has that too, I believe, or they're certainly working at the thing. In fact, that was just something in the BBC News a few days ago, how the Pentagon had said that that's exactly what they were working on, was some kind of submarine that could also fly. And in fact, it wouldn't surprise me if they already had something like that. Well, it would be nice if we can prove it. certainly would save a lot of excess wasted money. So is this where the trillions of dollars that Donald Rumsfeld talked about that they couldn't locate back in the early part of this century? Is that what he meant? Yeah, that's a Sorry, good one, $2.2 trillion. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when it comes to all this black budget stuff, and it is, it's vast amounts of money, and so much of it is got to be spent on aerospace and naturally, I think, uh, submarine type technology. And part of the military strategy for sure is that to keep America, uh, the, as the leading country in the world, what we really need, what we, where we have to excel and where America does excel is in aerospace technology. And, and as well as building submarines, too. I mean, this is some something uh, where the United States really excels uh, with other countries. One of the things, too, about uh, wars, and when you particularly you look at World War II, what, what World War II did especially was advance aerospace technology. And because of the urgency of the war effort, and the combined efforts of, of just American citizens and the government, you know, we have to defeat the Nazis and the Japanese. And what that did was, for several years, I mean, we just focused all of our money and attention and efforts on creating the best airplanes. I mean, and the Nazis were doing the same thing. I mean, they were creating already space vehicles, the rockets, that we eventually, you know, used here were basically designed by the Germans, and then we brought many of them over here. Okay, we'll get into more about that in a moment. We have David Hatcher Childress, co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. 
You've seen our Sinofresh banner on the GCN website, yet your sinusitis is still a problem. Are you waiting for your sinusitis to go away by itself? Are you waiting for a Sinofresh discount? Okay, here it comes. But first, the facts. 67 other products merely treat symptoms and not the cause of sinus problems. And 37 million Americans suffer from sinus distress just like you. But now many are finding relief with the only patent-protected homeopathic nasal product that antiseptically eliminates the known causes of sinusitis. Sinofresh. Now, here's your limited-time discount offer to use Sinofresh. Call 888-906-3636 right now for $2 off per bottle when you mention GCN. That's it. Just call 888-906-3636 and mention GCN for a $2 discount. But hurry, this offer is only for the first 1,000 customers. Call 888-906-3636. 888-906-3636. Call right now for $2 off per bottle. Mention GCN. Buy Sinofresh.com. It works. You worry, but only because you're paying attention. What's happening in the Gulf of Mexico illustrates an audacity toward nature. A similar audacity called GMO, or genetically modified organisms, means that the quality of commercially grown food may be compromised with our health in the balance. Now that summer's here, what better time to learn about the bounty that nature provides in wild edible food? Let author Linda Runyon show you the best-kept secret in plain sight that food is everywhere you look. This summer, for the cost of a good meal or two out, you can literally starvation-proof yourself and your loved ones against any future craziness and put up tons of free food, too. Whatever experiment is being run on us, you can rest assured that Linda's 50 or so staple foods aren't involved. Our foods are their enemy. So go to ofthefield.com or call toll-free 1-888-51-EAT-FREE and take that first step. Make your oasis of food security and nutrition now. That's O-F-T-H-E-F-I-E-L-D dot com or call 1-888-513-2837. Start now and make 2010 your year of independence. Question, what would you rather drink, acidic water which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass, or alkaline water which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. Tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. It's good stuff. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg, the co-host Chris O'Brien, the guest David Hatcher Childress. You're in the Paracast. We're exploring some of the things that came from Nazi technology. But if we have all this other advanced stuff going on, why did we take the firecrackers from the Nazis? Well, I would say along those lines is that we we took all kinds of different technology from the Nazis. And the Nazis were, in many ways, more advanced than we were with certain types of technologies. And the reason for that is 
is that World War II, in, in some aspects, was an oil war. And what the Axis powers did during World War II was go and take oil fields. And that was the big difference between Germany and Italy and Japan and the Allies, was that those three countries didn't really have oil fields. And during the war, what they did was go and occupy oil fields. The Germans took oil fields in, in Eastern Europe, the Italians took oil fields in North Africa, and the Japanese took oil fields in, in, in Manchuria and other areas of China and occupied them. But then during the war, as uh, what, what the Allies did was go and retake those oil fields, bomb them, but during the war then, the Germans, because they didn't have a lot of oil themselves, they researched all kinds of alternative technologies, including the, the SAS oil, uh, coal to oil type programs that South Africa still uses today, uh, different types of electric technology, special types of fuels, uh, even developing atomic energy and atomic bombs and things like that. So the Nazis, especially, because they didn't have all the oil, they were really trying to develop these more electric and, and what we would kind of consider UFO-type technologies. And in fact, at the end of World War II, what happened was the, the Nazis' big final push was the Battle of the Bulge, and during the Battle of the Bulge, what happened? they ran out of gas, and that was the end of the battle. And the Germans just finally, as they ran out of gas in their new panzer tanks, I mean, they just popped the hatches and got out and started walking back to Germany, and they had lost the battle by just running out of gas. Similarly, it was the Bush family uh, and Prescott Bush. During World War II, they were, Prescott Bush was dragged in front of a special Senate panel because it was determined that the Bush family's oil company, the Potter Oil, down in Houston, and one of the things that they did was create these very, very special aviation fuels. And those aviation fuels couldn't, the Nazis weren't able to make those kind of fuels. And incredibly, yeah, the Bush family was selling to the Nazis during World War II this special kind of fuel that only they could make in, in uh, Texas. So how about that? What's wrong with that picture? <laughs> Jeez. And that's a famous story, too, with the whole Bush family in, in World War II. So, so the Germans, in that sense, because their backs were against the wall, they were developing these unusual type of technologies, and America and Britain were actually behind with them because they had lots of oil, and everything they did was just based on uh, oil and other you know, fuels derived from oil. So now you have the Tesla-type stuff, and what's going on with Nikola Tesla especially was here's a guy who was developing things in the 1920 with his towers that were putting uh, electricity into the atmosphere. Uh, he wanted to have his wireless system of power, and with Tesla, of course, everything was electric. Tesla was already uh, talking about these anti-gravity airships. Uh, they had no wings or anything. They were they were totally electric. They could draw power from his towers, and these towers were. Uh, I mean, he was going to put them all over the world. Marconi was apparently doing similar things, but so here we have, especially with Tesla, we have uh, things that he was doing in the 1920s that today are still considered like science fiction. But prior to World War II. 
you know, the, everybody was was paying a lot of attention to Tesla's work, and he would talk about these death rays. I mean, he was at the time, and even still today, he's probably the greatest inventor and scientist who ever lived. I mean, his inventions are lighting the whole world today, and yet he's like a suppressed person. And again, the oil companies are the ones who've triumphed here, and Tesla's demonized as some kind of a crazy nut with all of his electric airships and wireless transmission of power and stuff like that, his death rays. And uh, and we're, we sort of have, in my mind, a cloak, an uh, oil cloak pulled over us. That, like, yeah, we have to go into space. We have to use, you know, oil. We have to use chemical rockets to go into space. When if you ask Nikola Tesla how to go into space, he would have said, oh, you got to build this electric airship and go to the moon that way. So it's all conspiracy on the part of the oil industry to suppress these inventions? Well, I mean, I would say that, yeah, that there is... There is an aspect of some kind of uh, conspiracy to suppress certain types of technology. Uh, that technology is electric, and that if you're, and, and now we get into the UFOs. If you just start looking at your standard UFO stories of what these craft are like, spinning around, they've got bright lights all around the edge of the craft. They're spinning and rotating. I mean, it's clear that UFO technology, and, and again, this is part of the suppression, that whatever the technology is in some flying saucer or flying triangle or, or cigar-shaped airship, whatever, it's not jet technology. It's not rockets. It's some kind of electric technology. That's what we were talking about earlier, plasma technology fields generated uh, through electrically, uh, some kind of spinning vortex, gyros. But if the government, let's just say that if some of these UFOs, not necessarily all of them, but some are being built by the government, they're coming from Area 51 in Nevada or whatever, those craft, they're not rockets. They're not jet engines. They're something else. And apparently they're electric and I would go back, in my mind, to Tesla's early inventions, and those things apparently are being suppressed. Hmm. Now, how do we unsuppress it? Is there a way, or is the secret government just too overwhelming? <laughs> Get a stinger. What's that, Chris? Get a stinger. Bring one down. <laughs> so my friend Andrew keeps saying, oh, all I need is a stinger. I'll show you what a UFO is. Well, you know, again, this raises uh, a whole uh, slew of subject areas that we could dive into here. And uh, one of the things that I've always felt, based on my own personal experience uh, as a field investigator, is that the government and the military and, and possibly even a quasi-governmental uh, nefarious body is uh, testing and has operational technology uh, of, of the sort that David is describing. Well, what do you think, David? I mean, is this is this a why don't they uh, you know let word of this technology out? Is this some sort of uh, ultimate ace in the hole in terms of of power and control on the planet? Do you think the United States government at some point will be forced to show its technological hand in this regard, or do you think it's going to stay secret uh, for as long as they uh, as long as we have dominion over the planet based on conventional technology? I mean, what what is your thinking on that politically? 
Well, I think that they did. They have a number of reasons for keeping this technology secret. Um, a lot of it is military, and uh, I mean, if if they have, um, let's say, their own flying saucers and things like that, and I think they do. Um, yeah, they can take these kind of craft, and you know, and they're not they're not really weapons. I mean, that's that's kind of a thing too. Where you know, I've heard that argument where people have said. Well, if the Nazis had been developing flying saucers at the end of World War II, why why didn't they win the war, you know? And, uh, I mean, that's a reasonable question, but a flying saucer is like a helicopter. Um, it's not really uh, a weapon itself, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a vehicle. And that's something about uh, World War II that a lot of people don't realize as well. There were not helicopters in World War II. They, helicopters didn't come really until after World War II in the early 50s. And they were really first used in the Korean War. So in World War II, they didn't have these vertical takeoff and landing craft. And they didn't really have them. And, uh, but a flying saucer would do that. Um, but if you have a kind of a craft like that, like the Aurora or something, I mean, these things can fly at tremendous speeds. They develop their own gravitational field. You can suddenly turn on a dime at a right angle uh, and because you're inside your own G field, uh, you don't generate these uh, G forces that you would in a in a jet or or a rocket or something like that as you're flying around. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of this kind of transportation. Sounds fascinating. Certainly beats waiting three hours on the line over at the airport. We have David Hatcher Childress, <laughs> author, publisher, adventurer. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our forums where you can talk to fellow listeners. Just go to theparacast.com and click on the forum links. That's the forum links at theparacast.com. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. The guest is David Hatcher Childress, author, adventurer. We're speculating about ancient astronauts and about modern crypto-terrestrials, maybe? Modern inventions that we don't hear about, secret space programs and whatnot. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. 
So I guess the question we'll pursue here, David, is, all right, so if we can have this kind of aircraft, wouldn't it just completely revolutionize the industry of flying? I mean, it's so primitive what we're doing with those jet engines. You know, we're basically running around the world in firecrackers, aren't we? <laughs> well, I think that rockets are definitely very dangerous and um it, and, and that is a, a, a strange part of what we're talking about is like, is our space industry, is it some weird hoax? And I mean, there's, there's, every time they put the space shuttle up into space, uh, although they're going to retire now, um, which is interesting itself, and you, you kind of think, okay, this is dangerous. We're basically going up into space on some big, you know, uh, bomb, essentially. You know, and if there was a safer way of doing it, why wouldn't they do that? Well, even they, you know, they have to develop these kinds of technologies. The control of space would be so important. And, and that's another reason to keep all this secret. And it comes back to the Gary McKinnon thing in, in Britain where he found this list of a hundred officers who were supposedly off the planet by controlling space and uh, even from the moon perhaps then you would control this planet and the aerospace thing is, is so important and, and along those lines too it would be keeping our enemies such as say Iran or something from ever developing their own you know aerospace um, technology and it's all part of the control of 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 the planet, and so keeping certain technologies secret, uh, even in my mind, they would have had and tried to develop all kinds of technology that's that's so just speculative today, including teleportation, invisibility projects, uh, even a special hologram technology that, that where they can project things in front. And in fact, the Vimanika Shastra, and that's one of the interesting things about Vimanas, when you read the ancient Indian epics, I mean, they talk about these Vimanas, these airships, but just like in a modern novel where the hero suddenly goes to the airport, gets on an airplane, flies to London or something like that, the novel doesn't, suddenly stop and tell you what an airplane is and how it works and how it has these wings and there's a bunch of seats in there and there's these jet engines on the wings and stuff. They don't say that. They they just tell you they got into an airplane and, and went someplace because they know that you know what an airplane is. And that's how the ancient Indian epics were like that too. They talk about Vamanas, but they wouldn't go into uh, great detail about them. However, in 1908, uh, in central India at the Royal Baroda Library in, in Mysore, they found this ancient Indian text called the Vimanika Shastra. And it was from the 4th century BC. It had been, uh, it said it was compiled from earlier ancient texts. And it was a book entirely about Vimanas. I mean, that's all it was about, these airships. And it talked about four different types of Vimanas. It talked about Mercury. It talked about uh, what it was like inside the craft. I mean, and it's all written in this ancient Sanskrit. They have to translate it into modern Hindi and try and figure out what they're saying. But even in the Vimanika Shastra, they talk about how the craft had the ability to project a hologram of the craft in front of it. 
in these aerial battles so that the enemy ships were attacking not the not the real Vimana aircraft, but this holographic projection. So how about that? I mean, it's all holographic projections. You know, it sounds like almost like Star Trek with the holodeck. Yeah. Beyond Star Trek. Well, right, and so even and you would think, in my mind, the U.S. government has also uh, worked on this kind of thing: holographic projections. Uh, putting, you know, uh, as an example, a bunch of tanks out into the desert that aren't even there. They're just projected. There's even a, a fascinating idea of what's called Project Blue Beam, which uh, was, a, and in fact, Ian Fleming supposedly came up with this, talking to President Kennedy one day in the early 60s about Cuba. And he said, well, why don't you guys, you know, project a hologram of, of Jesus and Mother Mary over Havana, you know, and get all these Catholic Cubans excited kind of thing. So that's where they, and allegedly, you know, they have projects like that where they can use lasers and things like that, create these holograms. And, it, and it's all, a lot of uh, warfare is deception, really, with, you know, of the enemy. And so that's, again, where the, a lot of the secrets come in. That's uh, one reason why, uh, I mean, World War II, in some ways, is still going on. The battle for planet Earth is still happening. And, it, you know, it, we don't know uh, exactly what's happening. I've, I've been always a big fan of James Bond movies and all these other thrillers. When you see all that with these secret bases, uh even stuff in Antarctica, possibly aliens being involved too. I mean, it's watching the news. Sometimes uh, you have to think that yeah, there's really more going on than you might really think. <laughs> well, I'm one thing that I can say is uh, the state of the economy and the way that uh, <laughs> things are progressing in the in the modern world. I'm wondering who's really winning. I think it's almost like a lose lose scenario. So, what do you see as as again as the the potential future for disclosure. Uh, for example, there's, as you know, a, a very uh, popular movement that's gaining momentum within the ufological community uh, that's, uh, you know, kind of wanting the government to come come clean and, uh, and disclose what they know about uh, aliens and ETs and, and you would think uh, the level of technology that, that that we're at right now. Um, what do you think? Is this a pipe dream? Do you think there's any hope that the government's going to, uh, after 60 years, uh, finally decide that they're going to tell us the truth? What are your feelings? Yeah, you know, I think that eventually, yes, there will be disclosure. The government is slowly uh, acknowledging some of this technology, acknowledging uh, perhaps their own secret space program. Um, I think even now this BP disaster in the Gulf and uh, Obama's initiatives for uh, new technologies, electric cars. I'm very excited about this Tesla motor company and the electric cars they're building. What will probably happen is, and it will be gradual, but uh, we'll see our whole society moving over to more electric type and clean technologies getting away from oil and gas. Part of it, too, for keeping it secret and for allowing the oil technology and oil-based technology to continue is the economy of the world is, right now, is largely based on oil. 
And they're talking about this in the Gulf. If it's like a double disaster in many ways with the BP disaster, because not only is it an ecological disaster, but then if they put a moratorium on drilling in the Gulf, that would put thousands of more people out of work because so many people in Louisiana and Texas and other areas down there work in the oil industry. And even you have things like uh, gas stations and just even the just repair shops and stuff like that. There's so many people who are employed in all the peripheral industries around oil that we can't just stop using that overnight. It would literally put so many people out of jobs in our already fragile economy. And this could be the kind of thing that really puts people out. I'll tell you what, we'll pursue that in a moment. David Hatcher Childress joining us. Co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors, have you been thinking about starting a website? Well, I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a world-famous leader in web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and great selection of templates. Use the coupon code PowerCast. Once again, use the coupon code PowerCast and sign up at this special address, thepowercast.com slash gator. That's G-A-T-O-R, thepowercast.com slash gator. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Aerial spray, chemtrails, the modified atmosphere, heavy metals and pesticides, carcinogens and chemical fibers all falling from the sky. You have a choice to keep your body clean. Detoxify with microplant powder from hempusa.org or call 908-691-2608. It's odorless and tasteless and used in any liquid or food. Protect your family now with microplant powder. Cleaning out heavy metals, parasites, and toxins. Order it now for daily intake and stock it now for long-term storage. Visit HempUSA.org or call 
691-2608 today. How well and how fast does heart and body extract work to improve blood circulation? Listen. My name is Ellis, and I'm 66 years old, and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Two years ago, I was diagnosed as having clogged arteries. I had 70% blockage in one artery leading to my heart. They wanted me to go on Plavix, but I refused, knowing the negative side effects. Heart and Body Extract is a unique balance, synergy, and proportion of herbs reaching from head to toe at maximum absorption around 95% at the cellular level. Within the first month, I felt a dramatic difference. The heaviness in my legs was reduced, and within two months, I felt completely normal. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is Heart and Body Extract. Heart and Body Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Call 866-295-5305, 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. You guys are awesome. I love the station. I really do. GCN. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. Our guest is David Hatcher Childress. We'll learn more about how to get a hold of him and check out his writings in a few moments. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. Chris, you want to pick up on the questioning? Yeah. Uh, speaking about the BP uh, uh, scenario that's going on in the Gulf right now, um, I've been doing a, a bit of research on oil, and and I think uh, that there is some question as to <laughs> how much oil is actually on the planet. You know, one of my nightmare scenarios is that the planet actually is producing the oil and there is no such thing as peak oil where we're going to start running out and that this uh, very detrimental technology uh, ecologically uh, is going to have some legs and they're just trying to milk this thing as long as uh, as they can and suck every last dime out of our pockets uh, at the gas pumps and whatnot. Is there a way, do you think, David, for us to uh, to, you know, and our reliance, uh, which is, uh, as you've described, is, is quite extensive on an oil-based uh, te- uh, technology and, and, and oil-based economy. Is How do you see a way around this? Well, I mean, I, I think it will be a gradual thing, and it will uh, be the slow implementation of electric cars and, and stations that are charging them. It will also, I think, be um, a slow shift in our space program. And I, I found it, it was interesting that Obama uh, canceled the moon mission that Bush had set up uh, for 2020 just at the end of his presidential term. And then suddenly Obama said, okay, no, we're not doing that. And he then canceled what was essentially the NASA um manufacturing of a new space vehicle and what he said in his speech was was interesting where he said well basically we'll let the private sector develop the new space vehicle and if the united states is going back to the moon 
we'll do it with, uh, you know, a space vehicle that's not made by the government, but one that's made by, you know, Virgin Atlantic or some Bob other private company or something. Well, one of the things that I've noticed about electrical technology is, you know, you, you hear about all these developments uh, in um, hydrogen and electrical uh, technology, for instance. But how come you don't hear about technology breakthroughs when it comes to storing electricity? Why don't haven't we seen amazing breakthroughs in battery technology, do you think? Well, right. You have this whole fuel cell technology. You, have, you do have special batteries. Uh, even there are these crystal-type batteries that can store uh, tremendous amounts of, of energy. Again, I, I think because the United States has been so much of the leader, since really since World War, end of World War II, in all of this technology, and they've kept much of it secret, but in the last 50 years, uh, many countries uh, are starting to catch up to us. And just like we have our, say, secret space program, in my mind, they're going to have that too. And so now you have China, Japan, India. These guys are all uh, developing their own lunar probes. They're developing their own space vehicles. Perhaps, like the United States, they're trying to develop their own flying saucer, flying triangle, uh, other uh, what we might call really exotic type of aircraft, uh, in theory, that's electric. But, you know, it's being done in India. It's being done in China and Japan. So as these guys develop their own space programs, send their own probes to the moon, and, and what will really be cool is when China, Japan, India, uh, other countries actually they go to the moon and land people on the moon. Uh, to me, that's great. There's a really interesting uh, YouTube footage that I've occasionally uh, have gone to look at, and it's quite amazing. And it's on it. It apparently shows what's like some of the Apollo mission astronauts in the moon, and they're walking through some ancient craft that's on the moon and it's very realistic and as i've watched it i've it's you know it's grainy footage but it's these astronauts on the moon and they're walking through this like derelict huge like cigar shaped craft that's crashed on the moon and they're walking through it they're looking at it so how about that i mean now we have the idea that part of our own space program when we went to the moon what we found on the moon, we've kept a secret. Uh, they've, if there are structures on the moon, if there are, you know, ancient uh, spacecraft that are just lying derelict on the moon, yeah, we've we've been there, we've seen it, we've studied it. The astronauts walked through it. Uh, they're keeping it a secret. I maintain too, in extraterrestrial archaeology and some of the other books, that there are these obelisks on the moon, much like on the Earth. An obelisk is a monolithic granite tower. Uh, similar to what Tesla was trying to create as his Wardenclyffe Towers. In fact, I maintain, too, in my book on uh, Atlantis, the Power System of the Gods, that on our planet, there was at one time obelisks all over the planet. And they were on remote islands. They were in Egypt. They were in Ethiopia. They were in North America. They were, uh, there was obelisk at Tiwanaku in, uh, in, in Bolivia. And, so, and incredibly, there are obelisks on the moon, too. And I guess my point is here that as these other nations develop the technologies as well, 
and they start going to the moon, that will have, that will, in a sense, force the United States to reveal some of their secret space programs, secret sp technologies that they've had. And yeah, we will eventually learn slowly about uh, these efforts, and I think it will amaze the people. Is there any possibility here that we're having interactions with, whether it's E.T. or the remnants of the advanced civilizations, or the Deros or Tiros or whoever they may be? <laughs> right, Deros and Tiros. Well, I think we must. And part of it, the moon missions themselves, there's so much went on there. And it's the more you look into the Apollo missions, the stranger it all gets, and I, it brings up so many questions. It's, it's more than I think we can talk about in the show. But, but when we went to the moon, we must have encountered something there. I mean, either we discovered that the moon was occupied and had to either um, uh, interact with these occupiers, whether they're extraterrestrials or humans even, who are already on the moon, and make some treaty with them, or uh, perhaps we were warned off the moon and told not to come back. Um, I mean, we don't know, but something like that happened. Um, at the same time, it's possible, uh, and it's certainly there are stories to this effect, that UFO not, ETs, whoever they were, um, you know, have... Uh, met with the U.S. government. There's a Frank Strange's story of a stranger in the Pentagon, Val Thor, right? Uh, you must know about that story, Gene. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I knew Dr. Frank Strange's a long, long time ago. He's no longer with us. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have David Hatcher Childress. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Question, what would you rather drink, acidic water which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass, or alkaline water which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to 
raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. This is Alex Jones with five good reasons you should consider buying a solar power generator. Number one, new climate legislation could easily double or triple your electric bill. Number two, our new energy czar wants to control how much power your electric company allows you to have. It's true. Total government control of electricity in the name of smart grid technology is coming. Number three, in some areas of the country, the power grid is dangerously overloaded. And now, new socialist legislation is only compounding the problem. Number four, dangerous weather is always a threat to local grids. Every year, thousands of families lose their power from weather-related outages. Number five, a solar power generator provides powerful backup insurance and peace of mind. Folks, I really believe in the solar power generators offered by Solutions from Science, one of my oldest sponsors. You can get more information at www.mysolarbackup.com. That's mysolarbackup.com. Remember, the government doesn't own the sun, so go to mysolarbackup.com or call 1-877-327-0365. Now you can purify the water and filter the air in your entire house for less. Keep listening for discount information from airandaqua.com. Airandaqua.com has everything from whole house air and water purification systems to air conditioners, shower filters, water testing kits, atmospheric water generators, and much more to keep you and your family healthy. Now, airandaqua.com has developed two value-packed money-saving packages. Package one, the pure whole home water package. It includes three very important elements to purify the water in your whole house. Package 2, the whole home air package, with an ultraviolet light system that kills 99.9% of airborne bacteria and viruses. Get more details on both of these air and water filter packages at airandaqua.com or call 866-380-AQUA. That's 866-380-2782. GCN listeners use promo code GCN for an 8% discount. Go to airandaqua.com. That's airandaqua.com. Purify your life today. Tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. I'm told that it has everything. We are the GCN Radio Network. Our guest is David Hatcher, Childress, co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Gene, this is really, uh, this is amazing. Well, I'm having a ton of fun here. It's pretty obvious that we're going to have to have David back if he'll come back because we are just scratching the surface in so many And by many the way, areas. we should also point out we have these active forums, forum.theparacast.com, and I know they're going to be asking us questions, and they're going oh, to boy. be expecting <laughs> David to go in there and put up with that abuse. <laughs> so I'm going to beat up on him, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, I'm sure he's uh, taking a lot of bells out there of our uh, forum, forum contributors. Uh, you know, I, I really love David's uh, freewheeling uh, ability to tie together so many divergent elements that, that when you really look at them, uh, they all seem to be... Uh, really important in contacts with one another and I, I think this uh, today's show is really uh, is really showing us that 
David, when we have you back, uh, there's some other areas I think that uh, that we should uh, talk about as well, including some of the amazing travels that you've had and some of the interesting uh, experiences that you've had around the world chasing down these types of secrets. Getting back quickly uh, here, you know, at the end of the show here, I'd really like to uh, to remind uh, our our listeners or have you remind them about the level of technology that you personally have witnessed at some of these megalithic sites. I, I don't think that this can be uh, overstated enough, uh, how incredible some of the cuts and, and the architecture and the actual engineering uh, must have been, uh, you know, the knowledge that must have been available to these ancients. Uh, what, could you go into that real quick for us? Yeah, sure. And on this uh, History Channel Ancient Alien show that I've been fortunate to be part of, I've kind of discuss this as well, and that is, with modern archaeologists, they're looking at these really gigantic uh, megalithic walls, and, and they're all over the world. They're on remote Pacific islands. They're in the Middle East. They're in South America. They're down in Mexico. They're, they're in China and other areas, and the, the, the big question that, and that the archaeologists don't a- ask, really, is why? Why would primitive ancient people want to build with, you know, giant 100-ton blocks of granite and basalt and things like that. It's what the Egyptians did. It's what you find down in South America and other areas. And there's just no reason for it. I mean, we today, with all our technology, we've got uh, bulldozers, giant cranes, giant saws. We've got all that. But we don't build buildings out of, you know, railway car-sized blocks of granite and stuff like that. But the ancients did that, and even still today. um, I mean, the most popular tourist sites in the world are exactly these ancient, huge walls that are so impressive. And you have to ask yourself, why would these so-called primitive people want to build with these gigantic blocks of stone? They don't have to. I mean, we wouldn't do that today. I mean, they could have just as well made, you know, much smaller blocks of stone, uh, stacked them up, much like uh, uh, we would build, or like the Romans and, and people built their castles. I and mean, they, were, they weren't trying to build out of railway car blocks of stone. But the ancients did that. Somehow it was easy for them. Uh, I mean, that's the question we have to ask. Why would they do something that that seems so incredibly difficult? Well, what I would say was, for them, it wasn't so difficult. And this is the huge uh, enigma, really, associated with these giant uh, ruins and things like that around the world, is that somehow, for them, it was easy. They had technology to levitate these massive stones. They didn't have to have giant cranes. They didn't have to have thousands of people hauling these giant blocks. They were able to easily move them into place, stack them up. In many cases, they're perfectly cut and fitted. And and that wouldn't have to be done either, but they did that. So what they were doing was so amazing to us, and yet it had to be simple for them. And probably Why did it have to be simple? Why not take on a challenging pursuit? Well, and but that's the question. It's like, first of all, these people are allegedly primitive people. Um, in South America, the yeah, Incas they, and they didn't others, have writing. Yeah, they didn't have writing. They didn't have knowledge of the wheel. Um, I mean, their 
unusually simple people and and uh but yet what they were doing is things that are so incredibly difficult or uh, uh, seemingly so and that's that's the enigma it's it's like well how could so-called primitive people do something that we couldn't really duplicate today with all our technology and that is my friend Christopher Dunn, who wrote the Giza Power Plant and other books, and he's he's a he's an engineer, and he works in a machine shop. And this, the kind of thing that he does is he gets out his special gauges that are very you know micrometers and stuff like that, and he's able to look at the tolerance that is done and the the per- perfection and precision that's in these walls and even just stuff we have in Egypt, and he's concluded. That yeah, with primitive uh, tools, and what Egyptologists say that yeah, uh, ancient Egyptians had to bash out all of these beautiful, you know, granite objects and things with a with a rock in their hand. I mean, and that's how they made all these things. And and according to him, he, he's saying that you know this can't be made like that. They had to have this is what he maintains. They had to have precision tools. They had to have giant saws. They had to have electricity, even to run these. Just like today, we would, we would cut granite with a, basically a diamond tip saw. We would have to use that. And they had to have that too. I mean, it, it, according to him, it couldn't be done any other way. To me, that is what is so fascinating, is that the technology we have today, they had to have a similar technology. But archaeologists, you know, don't see that as possible. They, they just can't see how ancient civilizations could have had the kind of technology we have today, and that is electricity, machines, heavy machinery too. I mean, just like today, we've got giant bulldozers and backhoes and cranes and stuff. They had to have those things too, including giant saws to quarry things. Either that, and or they the, levitated it. Well, right, and then the moving. I mean, cutting these blocks is one thing. But to move them is something else, and that is, that's an enigma. And that's where, yeah, it, it, the only real answer to me is that they had to be able to levitate these blocks of stone. NASA has done some studies like that, too, including what, what's called acoustic levitation, and that's the whole idea of using sound and vibration and then levitating things. You have the biblical story, too, of Joshua blowing his horn, and the walls of Jericho fall down. I mean, here's a famous story that almost everyone knows from the Bible. But it's so bizarre. I mean, could it really be that using sound technology and blowing some horn, you would cause the city walls, some ancient city, to collapse? That's what the that's what the Bible is telling us. And is that like the opera singer who sings at a certain frequency, and there goes the glass. Shatters the glass, right? Exactly, exactly. So there's a way sound and vibration are, are sort of the, what make up matter. And by hitting certain types of notes, certain type of vibrations, you can destroy things. That was also uh, Nikola Tesla invention, what's known as Nikola Tesla's earthquake machine. And uh, even on History Channel, when they they have uh, they do have a show about Nikola Tesla, and they mention this his earthquake machine, and it too has to do with vibration and sound. And with Tesla found, you get a, a certain type of a resonance and a harmonic, and a building can completely collapse. 
this is another similar thing of uh, when the military walks across bridges, they break step, and because the certain uh, harmonic uh, vibration of all of just troops marching across a bridge can destroy it. Speaking of harmonic vibrations, we have one coming up, and we can't avoid it. Otherwise, we'll break. <laughs> David Hatcher Childress is with us. Chris O'Brien laughing at last at one of my bad jokes. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. It's the number one reason for slow and clogged bath drains. That's right, hair. And the number one way to open drains plugged with hair? The drain clog. Stop standing in dirty bath water. Stop using dangerous chemicals. Just push the drain claw past the pop-up in your sink or tub, twist, and pull. You'll be shocked at what this little tool can pull out of your drain. The drain claw has over 100 tiny hooks that claw through hair, toothpaste, and shampoo that slows and clogs your drains. See how it works right now at thedrainclaw.com. The Drain Claw is made in the USA and is the safest, easiest, most environmentally friendly solution to unclog bath drains. Get one for $6.99 or three for $15. The Drain Claw can be used over and over. Don't be fooled by substitutes. Buy the original. Buy the Drain Claw. Order now at thedrainclaw.com. That's the Drain Claw at thedrainclaw.com. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. 
Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. One of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish and M10 gas masks are three for $30. And Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them. Plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179. 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com. The main name in military supply. On air, online, and on demand. They say we offer simple answers to complex problems. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Our guest this week is David Hatcher, Childress, co-host Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. David, we know that we're abandoning publicly the space program unless we give it all to private industry. So is this basically an act on the part of the administration because there's a secret space program that's doing all this, or what? What's the end game? Well, I think that, yeah, this is uh, a chance by uh, our current administration to turn over the space program to to the people. And, then, and that's the thing with all this so-called secret technology that they've got, the secret space program, is that, yeah, the military's got it. Uh, they keep it a secret. Uh, it's for our own interests, supposedly. Uh, they're keeping us safe uh, and, and, you know, uh, because our the American military is is tops, but by letting our space program go to a more civilian uh, and private um, companies and and think tanks, it allows the technology to come to the consumer, and that's what's not happening with the secret space program. Uh, the military's got all kinds of special technologies; they want to keep it secret. And that's all fine, but eventually these things need to come out to the normal consumer. And I, I, I mean, there'll be a time, it's going to be years from now, where things like teleportation, anti-gravity, uh, electric spacecraft, things like that, well, they'll be commonplace. And it's only when normal consumers can have access to these things that, you know, they're not secret anymore. And ultimately, uh, it will come out, I believe. And uh, probably by the time we return to the moon, and however we do it, that's where we'll really start to see the shift, uh, I think, from the secret technology that, that they're going to allow us to have. And ultimately, the government will say, yes, we have flying triangles. Yes, we have flying discoid craft. Yes, we have giant tubular craft, and yes, you know, we've got a secret space station up in space, or whatever they've got, and they will ultimately, uh, you know, full disclosure will come. And perhaps Why would they, they disclose it at that particular point in time? Would the oil companies allow them to disclose it? 
Well, yeah, the oil companies now are, are kind of have their backs against the wall. Oil companies really, for the last 50, 60, 70 years, I mean, they've more or less controlled the planet and the whole, the world's economy has been based on oil. And, uh, the, the other part of the economy is based on the military industrial complex. So, creating all the, the, the aircraft, the jet fighters, the aircraft carriers, the super subs. And so, that's kind of what the first world does. We create all these super machines, and they're expensive. We export them and, and things like that. But it's, it's still all based around the oil technology. But that is going to change. And I, we're going to see a shift, I predict, away from oil, away from gas-guzzling cars, and into a, a new technology, and it will be largely electric. And, and this is the future that Nikola Tesla saw for us. But it was kind of, it was, it was, we were detoured basically around World War II into this oil technology world. But, you know, Tesla, who died in, during World War II, uh, he would have said, this is not the way to go. We want to, you know, we want to pursue electric technology and electric spacecraft. And finally, after 50 years of suppression, we are going to go that way. Chris, you want to take this to another direction or what? Well, I think I think this is a uh, a perfect illustration of of how oil companies are hedging their bets. Uh, if you go out and try to buy solar panels, let's say you want to be off the grid and and uh, build a um, you know a DC uh, solar system, guess who owns uh, all the manufacturing facilities to make solar panels? The oil companies. So I think that they're they're seeing the writing on the wall uh, to some degree and. Uh, and are diversifying and getting into um, wind and, and solar and other types of clean energy because um, at some point, David, you're right, it, this whole petroleum-based economy has uh, has got some real problems as we're seeing, uh, you know, currently in the Gulf. And uh, I just hope it's sooner uh, rather than later. I, I think that uh, the devastation that's going on ecologically on the planet um, because of oil. Um, you know, I, the planet's going to be okay, but I, you know, it could really adversely uh, impact billions of people on the planet if, if this doesn't change. So, well, and I, I mean, exactly. But I mean, this ecological disaster is is really drawn the attention of, you know, not just America, but the entire planet, on, you know, how bad this oil-based economy is and how we really need to change. And even, you know, Obama has made, you know, speeches to that effect. And this is, in many ways, I think, a turning point, you know, for us and technologically so. Now, all right, let's look at what we can do in the remaining couple of minutes here to get the evidence we need. Is it going to all depend on the government telling us on the crypto terrestrials or ET telling us, or is there something we folk can do about it? We need some whistleblowers. Well, right, and it's so much of of it is is people being informed, uh, seeing through the the sort of uh, black fog that they've put out to obfuscate uh, so much of what's going on. The whole UFO um, mystery is 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 so complicated. There's so much uh, misinformation, wrong information. Um, 
it's seeing through all this. It, it's difficult. But as we shows like this, uh, I think, and and more and more researchers coming out, and and people in the government, hopefully, and even in the oil companies, you know, being whistleblowers, coming out. And ultimately, people seeing for themselves these new technologies that seem so fantastic, and yet, you know, in many cases, they're 50, 60, 70, even 80 years old, but still kept secret. Well, maybe it'll come to pass. We have just a few moments left. David Childress, would you tell our listeners where they can find more about the stuff that you write about and the things you do? You know, we have uh, a catalog that we send out and extensive uh, web pages with uh, many of my books and other DVDs and, and other people's as well. They can find that at adventuresunlimitedpress.com and uh, see our online store. There's there's all kinds. We import books from England, Australia, and other areas. And uh, they can write to us, too. Uh, at P.O. Box 74, Kempton, Illinois, 60946. And, uh, yeah, we send out a 70-page catalog of all kinds of cool books and DVDs. All right, and we'll be exploring more of your books in the near future. What is your latest title, by the way? Well, my last two books are, uh, one is called uh, Lost Cities and Ancient Mysteries of the Southwest, and it's all about unusual things in, in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, and Nevada and California. And then my most recent book, which just came out in February, is a cryptozoology title, which is called Yeti, Sasquatch, and Hairy Giants. And that reflects a lot of my interest and travels to Nepal and Tibet, India, uh, Mongolia and stuff, looking for Yetis and, and, and stuff here in the United States as well. Now, I'll tell you this, my wife does not call me a hairy giant, by the way. Just want to correct the record. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of the things you do? Uh, well, I am published by David's uh, publishing company, Ventures Unlimited Press. Um, also, I have my own website called, called Our Strange Planet. We live on a strange planet. It doesn't belong to me or you. It's OurStrangePlanet.com. And there you can find, uh, you know, the, the quite a, an extensive uh, listing of my articles and, and stories that I post from around the world, and also my complete database from my many years investigating uh, in the San Luis Valley in Colorado. And you can find us at thepowercast.com. That's with a T-H-E, thepowercast.com, where you can download free of charge over 200 episodes of the show. Check out our forums, forum.thepowercast.com, forum.thepowercast.com. Special thanks to... David Hatcher Childress, and of course our co-host Chris O'Brien. Thank you both for joining us this week on the Paracast. Thanks, Gene. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Thank you uh, so much, David, for being on. The Paracast is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. Paracast.